Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Morning of Baptisms, recorded Sunday, October 17th, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. We celebrate baptism because we believe baptism is a big deal. Every church in history has practiced baptism at some form, Churches differ from one another sometimes in what they emphasize. Some churches baptize infants because their belief is that baptism attaches the child to Jesus and the church, and then later on, a person has a confirmation experience for themselves. Some churches sprinkle or pour water on people. Churches like Third City, we baptize a person as they believe in Christ. We baptize by immersion. Some people see baptism as merely symbolic. And while I believe that baptism is symbolic, I also believe it's sacramental. I think the scripture teaches it's sacred. That baptism is a visible reenactment of what's happening in a person. It attaches them to what Jesus did in resurrection. And it also has a heavenly application, a supernatural application to your life. So today... As we consider what baptism is, I want to encourage you to set aside any preconceived ideas you bring into the room about what you think it is, just in case you have some misconceptions. And let's let God's Word teach all of us why baptism is important and why maybe you should today be making baptism your deal. And let me just say this, baptism is a big deal if there's no other reason Because Jesus made it a big deal. It's so important that it's the first thing that he did at the age of 30, the first thing he did before he entered into his three-year ministry to save the world. You read about it in Matthew chapter 3. Jesus' baptism marked the pivotal point in his life where he yielded his life into God's leadership in God's hands. Baptism should do the same for you. Baptism is an amazing gift that God has given you so you can have your own chosen starting point for eternity. So let's just spend a few minutes answering some of the common questions that come up when people talk about baptism. They think about why should they? The first question is really a tactical question, and that is, does it really matter if I'm baptized, how I'm baptized, if I'm immersed, if I'm sprinkled. Many of you have been sprinkled for baptism. Many of you have probably had your own children baptized in that manner as you came up in other churches. You were taught by your church that your baptism or their baptism would give you security in Christ until the moment that you take faith at a a later time in your life. Now, what you might not be aware of, maybe you are, but maybe not, is that for the first several centuries that the church was in existence, baptism of babies simply never happened. No church, no parent uh, ever experienced that until something like 1,300 years after the church was founded, until the Bible had been written. As a matter of fact, the only form of baptism that was offered for many, many centuries was when a person believed and then they were baptized. 
And that makes sense because of the meaning of the word. In, in the original language that that word was created in the Greek language, that word means one thing. It means, baptism means immersed in water. That's what it means. It has no other meaning. And so that's important because it's not about the action, but it's what it represents. When a person is taken under the water and when you are brought out of the water, it reenacts the very thing that Jesus did to save you. And that was when he died on the cross, was buried in a grave, and raised on the third day. And so it's a visible reenaction of what's happening in your soul as the old person is being put behind, buried, so to speak, and the new person is coming back to life to God's glory. God is covering you with his grace. He is covering you with his mercy. And then he's emerging you for a new life. One of my favorite memories, of, I have a lot of great memories of baptisms, hundreds of them really. But several years ago, a teenager came uh, to the Lord and, and I think it happened at camp. I don't have a great memory on how that occurred, but I think it was maybe CIY or camp. Usually our students make big decisions at those places. And uh, anyway, she came back and she decided it was a morning of baptism she was gonna be baptized. And so she talked to her parents who had had her sprinkled as, a, as an infant and uh, was a little anxious about that, but the parents were very supportive. They believed that she was making this decision. They had seen change in her life and believed it was, it was important for her to take the steps. So they were supportive. They came to the baptism. And during the course of the morning, as they heard the message, as they saw what was happening for their daughter and how alive she was in the Lord, they made the decision themselves to, to come and be baptized. And we see that quite a bit around here. It points out some important things. First of all, she didn't guilt her parents. She didn't make them feel bad for their decision to love her when she was an infant. Uh, she was grateful to them that they, that they loved her so much. But secondly, she and they saw baptism as a personal decision made by her and so, therefore, that inspired them to follow suit. And that brings up one more thing, and we see this here a lot, how oftentimes children follow their parents and their example, but also parents follow their children. And when it comes to spiritual things, you follow the people who are going the right direction, no matter what age they are. Now, that... So I guess the answer to the question, the first question, should I be immersed or sprinkled from God's perspective? You read the scripture yourself. The answer is always and without reservation, a believer is baptized, is immersed in water and raises to new life. Now here's a second question. It's a practical question. Do I have to do it? Yeah. I mean, if, if, do I need to be immersed? Is this essential for some reason in my life? Now, now, let me be abundantly clear with this. No action you take can save you. The only way a person is saved is by the actions that Jesus took to save them. The Bible tells us that our baptism is a culminating process that changes us. And that is the work of God, pure and simple. We are guilty, we are redeemed. That's what's happening in this spiritual transaction. 
Every one of us here are in a different stage of faith. Some of you, you're here because someone else you heard, maybe a family member is here to be baptized. You want to be here and support them. But you really don't know anything about baptism. You just know that you're here to support that loved one. And so you're hearing the good news for the first time. Some of you, (coughs) excuse me, may be in a position where you're now believing that God is real and that Jesus died for you and that this is all coming together for you and and you want to step into his grace and you're waiting to take the next step. And so if you believe and and you trust God, your next step is to be baptized. You shouldn't leave here today without taking that step. And so for some of you, you're in this state of repentance because life hasn't gone very well for you and you know that. And by the way, you haven't gone very well for life. And you understand that you need grace because you're not good enough. That's a good place to be, by the way. So you confess your sin and you have something to do with your past. That is to leave it behind. You step forward with God and you're baptized. Baptism is intended to be the culmination process of your conversion from being a sinner guilty to a saved person by the power of God. You know, Jesus talks about this in in different ways. One of the stories I love that I think kind of tells the backstory on what's happening today is the story of the prodigal son. You probably heard of this story. By the way, I would have given it a, a, a different title than the one that the English uh, writers of, of the scripture, or at least the translators of the scripture would. I would have called this story, the, the, I would have named it the merciful father, but nobody asked him to be on that committee. It was like in the 1500s and and uh, I, believe it or not, I wasn't here yet. So anyway, uh, but, but do you remember the story? There's this rebellious child. He selfishly takes the inheritance that his father offers him. He runs off and goes to a foreign country, it says, and he, and he just takes up decadent living. And, you know, he just squanders the entire inheritance away on, on crazy living to the point where he's reduced to becoming a, a feeder of pigs. He's not even the pig farmer. He's just some employee that feeds pigs. And he's so poor, <coughs> excuse me, that... He has to eat the food of the pigs because he has no other way to survive. So he's, in the, he's, in the, he's, he's at rock bottom. Let's, it doesn't go any lower than that, okay? You're eating pig food. And, 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 uh, and he has this thought. Wait a minute. My father is a gracious and generous father. Maybe I could just go back home, and even though I can no longer be a son because of what I've done, I could be a servant. And so he, in humility... And, uh, you know, with his leg, you know, his tail between his legs, as we like to say, he, run, he goes home. And, 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 and it says, Jesus, the way he tells the story, he says, the father saw him coming from a long distance. And, and he's excited because he, he thought his son was dead. So, you know, the, in the story, the father runs to the son and he, and, and, you know, the son's, you know, you know, very humble. He says, father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I no longer deserve to be even called your son. And, Father won't have anything to do with that. He says, wait a minute. You're still my son. You've come home. And then he talks about how, talks about how he puts a robe on him, which is, means that he covers him in his mercy. And it talks about giving him a ring, a signet ring, which if you know what that is, it's the ring of ownership. And so you've seen the movies, you know, where they take the ring and they put it into some warm wax and it puts the seal of ownership on whatever the property is that that ring is being used for. And the point is, Jesus is saying, he's showing us that when we come to God in humility and we come to him for transition, he'll cover us and he'll own us and he'll give us 
He'll give us sonship, daughtership in his family, and he'll seal us. And the scripture talks about how he seals us with the Holy Spirit. So that all happened, and then they went and had a great barbecue. So the rebel went through different stages. Think about this. Rebellion, desperation, trust, belief the Father would save him, repentance or humility, and finally he received a covering and new life, and he received, he received the joy of going forward with his Father for eternity. Now, this is important because today, when people step forward with God, it's like you are running home to God after understanding that your only hope is found in God's arms. And in this baptism that you will experience, what you are doing is just saying, God, here I am in all my disglory, trusting you to save me, to cover me, to own me, to give me life. So is baptism essential? Well, do you want to be assured that you're freed from your sinful past? Do you want to be assured that you're forgiven of sin? Do you want to be sealed for God for the day of salvation? Look, that's up to you. That, you have to decide. But it comes down to this for some of you. I'm just being honest with you because that's what we do here. The question is, are you humble enough? Are you humble enough? Only you and God can sort that out. Now, so do I have to be baptized to be saved? Well, of course, you, you know, God can save anyone he wants to. I mean, he saved the thief on the cross. We know that. But by the way, you're not the thief on the cross. You're the thief in the pew. <laughs> okay? I mean, you're, you know, he couldn't come off that cross and go find a pool of water with Jesus for 20 minutes and then come back. Wasn't going to happen. The water's right there. It's right there. And all you have to decide is, do I trust him? So why would I do it? I mean, what are the benefits? What are the benefits? I mean, other than having your broken past put behind you, other than having your sins forgiven, other than gaining new life and being transformed into God's child with ever-increasing glory until the day of salvation is complete when he returns, what else? I mean, why? Well, here's a few things. You can throw these in. Number one, you're going to become one of his disciples. The scripture talks about this in Matthew 28, 18, that disciples are made when they hear about Jesus and they're baptized into Christ. It's a brilliant part on God's, on, in, in God's design that, that, that we have this moment where we have this visual, audible uh, experience. You're going to feel it because you're going to be in that water and it'll be wet. Believe me, believe me it will be. And then, and then you might even like, like, who knows, you might swallow some of it. it. Tastes great back there. I mean, it's, you know, it's church water. It's great, you know. You're going to have all these senses working, right? And, and, and so you'll never forget the time and place you're baptized. And by the way, you know what's going to happen when you're baptized today? There's going to be hundreds of people here today. And they're going to hearken back to their own and remember it. And it's going to bring back to them a memory that's important to them. That's what it does for us. Here's another thing. Your baptism is your sinner's prayer. People say, well, I said the sinner's prayer when I was 12. And No, that's not scriptural. You can look yourself. Baptism is the sinner's prayer. Here's how Peter puts it. He says, your baptism is an appeal to God for a clear conscience. That's what it says. Your immersion is enacting the right message of your death, burial, and resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection. And the thing is, there are going to be times in your life, I promise you, when you're going to need to have something to remember. 
Because life isn't going to be easy on you no matter what you want to think about it. You know, uh, Jackie and I gave each other wedding rings. And uh, I will, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'll go days, weeks without even thinking about this ring. Like, it's just part of me. It's as much a part of me as the fingernail that's on the end of that finger, okay? But if we're going through something, like, you know, we're having a tough time, or if, if we're challenged in life in some way, not just marriage, but together we're facing stuff, when I look at that ring, it means something to me. It reminds me of some, a promise I made 40 years ago and a promise she made to me. And... Uh, Here's the thing. Baptism to my faith is what this ring is to my marriage. It's a reminder of a lifelong commitment Jesus made to me and I'm making to him. Another thing, baptism connects you to God. It's not just symbolistic. It's sacramental. It means that he actually accomplishes something very spiritual and important. And it says this in Galatians 3.26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Listen, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have been, have clothed yourselves with Christ. It's not magical, it's mystical. You're changing. Titus chapter 3, it says it saves us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generally through Christ Jesus, our Savior. When we're baptized, we're connecting with his rebirth for ours. Now, here's another thing. It is the place where my conscience is cleared. I love this one. I don't know how you are. In 1 Peter 3.21, it says this. Peter says, our baptism saves us when it's accompanied by our faith. And it says, it is an appeal to God for a clear conscience. And it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ or through the resurrection. It's God's brilliant ceremony that obliterates guilt and shame. Let me talk to you about that for just a second. Guilt and shame. Ever feel guilty? Feel guilty today? Guilt is something. Guilt is something that happens when we cross too many lines with God that we know we shouldn't cross, and we feel guilt. It, it becomes a part of us. Shame is a little different. Shame is when we feel that we don't measure up to the expectations of God and others. So in the sports world, a player who doesn't practice hard all week, and they know it, goes into a game with this sense that they're unprepared, and they feel a little guilty about that, maybe throughout the whole week. Then they get out into the field or on the court, they have this internal private thing happening, I'm really not prepared, I really haven't done what I'm supposed to do for my team, but they still play the game, and then they stink. They make mistakes, they jump off sides, they, well, I'm not going to go through the list. They do things. <laughs> All right? And then they find out what shame is because they got that coach bearing down on them and they walk the sideline or the players around them say, what are you doing? Practice all week. Where were you at? That's public. That's social. Baptism is an action that eradicates both your guilt you feel because of your sin, but it's also a public moment that removes shame. And here's why. Because you're joining the body of Christ. The body of Christ, friend, is a whole bunch of formerly guilty and shame-ridden people who are now walking in freedom and hope and dealing with it. 
It's pure genius on God's part. It's genius. The scripture talked about this kind of thing long before Jesus entered into our world. Uh, there's the story, for instance, if you remember this, maybe you've seen the movie or many of them about Moses and the children of Israel who were, cap- who were captured by the Egyptians and so they were freed by God's power. And if you remember the cool movie or if you read the story, you know that there's this point where the, all these m- millions of people come to a place where they're trapped and Pharaoh's army is going to bear down on them and destroy them all. So God miraculously opens up the Red Sea. Remember the story? It's really cool. And so there's this point in that story that it doesn't really get said, but it's really an important point. And that is, you're one of those people, and you're looking back at the enemy, and you're thinking, I'm dead. And you're looking down the tunnel of this sea that's been parted, and you're thinking, do I go in there? And your choices are pretty narrow, but you say, okay, God's saying, follow him, I will. That's important. Look, God invites you today to trust him, just as the Israelites trusted him when they entered into the sea afraid and they came out free. God invites you to be released from the slavery of sin and the guilt and shame applied to that. It's real and it should be, by the way. God invites you to join his people to live in a new way of life, one that is forged by his resurrection when he parted the sea with his blood and he covered you with his mercy. Come and go into the sea today. Come and leave free. This is God's promise to you. I'm going to come back in a few minutes and talk a little bit more about the decision that you're making. But don't leave here today if God's moving your heart. Lord, we're going to celebrate another sacramental moment, one we do here weekly, one we celebrate weekly, called the Lord's Supper. It's also sacred because in this moment, it's a physical, spiritual, emotional, prayerful moment when we give you all the glory for what we could never do for ourselves as you save us. So we take this bread and this cup. We remember that freedom isn't price. It doesn't come without price. Great cost. A price you were willing to pay for us. We give you great glory, Jesus, for that. Amen. My name is Chris Lassonde. I've been coming to Third City for about six or seven years. I feel like I'm being called to be a little more outspoken you know, in, in the church, however that looks, I don't, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm the guy that, I like being the sound guy. I'm in the back, nobody, nobody knows who I am. I like it that way. Grew up in a, in a family that was regular church attenders and, and I went through classes through church and through school and, and I went to a Catholic school. I, I didn't really have much of a relationship with, with Christ until I was closer to 20 and by by the age of 16 I had pretty much fallen away from God and from the church and really just didn't have any any direction in my life. There's really never been just one big snap aha moment for me. It's it's just been a, a very slow gradual sometimes painful walk feeling of being broken fighting every day to be 
a better person, to be a, a better man, a better husband, a better father, and just not gaining any ground, ever. I was baptized as an infant, and I wasn't, you know, maybe by the age of 20, 21, I, I'd realized, you know, by reading the Bible that it's, it's to be by choice. Every instance you look at in the Bible, people, people are baptized by choice. There was a guy that was about my age that uh, had gone through a pretty similar struggle. I'd been baptized already, and you know, you have the, the, you know, what is my family going to think? You know, what uh, am I really good enough? Why would God love a sinner like me? You know, could He actually forgive me? Um, just those kinds of thoughts that I know are not accurate, but they still just are crippling at times, and, and they kept me from it for probably about eight years. One night in this small group, <clears throat> I don't remember what this guy actually said. I don't remember what scriptures he quoted. I don't even know if what he said was what he wanted me to hear, but I heard the, the message from God loud and clear, and that was to be stop being so self-centered that baptism isn't about what you can do. It's, it's about what you can do, and it's about what Jesus can do. Like, I was like, let's go to the tankery. Let's, let's just do this. And, uh, my wife would have been very, very upset with me if I would have maybe neglected to let my family be there. So um, we did wait for a Sunday. I definitely felt something, you know, being baptized. I don't even know how to explain it, though. It's just almost a, a feeling of relief, of peace, of why did I wait so long to do this, you know? Why would God love a sinner like me? Why, why would God choose to give his son uh, just painful, gruesome death to bring somebody so broken like me home to him? It's a love that's, it's a love that's truly unimaginable love unlimited <laughs> there I plugged you guys baptism a it's a powerful step um, but it's only one step in, in a long walk with with Christ whether you get baptized today or not uh, the most important thing is that you continue seeking what God has for you um, stay in his word and continue to pray really appreciate Chris's story and uh, it's one we hear in different of course with different details all the time about how a person processes God and they come to this place where they realize this is a really big deal for them and I'm confident there are a number of people in this room today who are going to make the biggest decision of your life and I'm just asking you today, why shouldn't this be your day? I mean, we have everything you need to be baptized this morning. There's nothing that you'll need from the physical side of it. We have enough water. We have the clothes. He's just waiting for you. And there's going to be a lot of reasons why you won't do this, even though you're feeling this pull toward God. I mean, look at it this way. Jesus was baptized when he was 30 years old. It was the right time. All of his disciples were baptized. 
When the church started on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people baptized. It was good enough for every person mentioned in the New Testament who were saved to be baptized. What's your excuse? What's going to keep you from being baptized? Is it your pride? Is it your fear that somehow it sends some negative message to your parents who loved you when you were a child? And they did. They tried to do what was right for you. Are you living under the illusion that you're good enough, that you don't need to take this step? That's a lie from the pit of hell. Do you believe in God? Do you believe that Jesus is raised from the dead? Do you believe that Jesus can raise you too? Repent, turn away from yourself, turn away from a world that will take you to hell and turn to him. Mercy, a flood of grace, the ability to cover you the ability to put your sins behind you and move you forward as his child, the robe of righteousness, the signet ring of promise and of covering, the Holy Spirit. Acts 22 asks you this question, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized, calling on his name. We're going to have baptism, we trust, in this service. Um, if, if you are ready to be baptized today, I'm going to walk back to the east doors. You can just see where I go and follow suit. We'll baptize all morning long, but when you're ready to walk forward, come and let this be your day. It's a big deal. It should be for you. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.